As you start to reach more people, things start to feel more complex. There's more to do and more to keep track of, and it starts to actually take time away from creating content. I felt this struggle personally. The more creator science grew, the more it felt like I was dropping the ball. So I did something about it. I built a set of rock solid systems, all in Notion to support the business as we grew. And it worked like a charm. I've now taken my personal Notion setup and productized it. It's called Creator HQ, and it's the complete operating system that you need for your creator business. I built Creator HQ to be an all-in-one workspace designed to save you more time, create more content, and drive more revenue. By leveraging Creator HQ, we are publishing more than we ever have, and we're nearing $1 million in annual revenue because of it. It brings all of your data and processes into one place with custom-built dashboards to reduce friction in managing tasks, creating content, and collaborating with your team. I've seriously spent more than three years building this, and now you can have the same systems that I use right out of the box. In the lab, one of our members just posted, I have spent the last few weeks diving into Creator HQ, learning how it works, and making it my own. This is the first time in a while that I felt this organized and filled with hope that I can find a workflow that will work for me with my whole business. This is gold. I will definitely be giving a testimonial for this badass product. If you're new to Notion, don't worry. I've included a ton of specific tutorials to help you learn how to use Notion generally and Creator HQ specifically. I've never seen another Notion product integrate tutorials like we have here. More than 300 other creators are already using Creator HQ, and I am not exaggerating when I say I would be lost without this system. Creator HQ is what keeps the trains running over here. As a podcast listener, I'm giving you my best price. You can get 10% off using the promo code podcast at checkout. Just head to creatorhq.co to watch the video and learn more. That's creatorhq.co and use promo code podcast to save 10%. Everyone fails and then tries to spin it into a positive. You know, it's like, oh, I failed, but I learned a lot. I'm like, sometimes it sucks (laughs) and I hate failing and I'm gonna say that it sucks and I'm gonna say I didn't learn anything. Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Creative Elements. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Giovanisi, the creator of Money Lab. At least that's how I knew him until I started doing some more research. The very core of my business is called Swim University. It is a website where I teach people how to take care of their pools and hot tubs. And I've had it since 2006 and it makes primarily its money through affiliate links, specifically Amazon Associates and uh, digital product sales. Unless you have a pool or hot tub yourself that you take care of, you may have never heard of Swim University. Swim University makes its money from affiliate links on Amazon. That means Matt creates content, that content will link to a product on Amazon, and if that person buys that product, Matt gets a small kickback, somewhere between one and 10% of the sale. And Swim University is a thriving business. In 2019, Matt earned more than $400,000 from that website through affiliate links and product sales. $400,000 from 1% to 10% commissions. That's a lot of pool products being purchased from Matt's site. If you do the math, that's somewhere between $4 and $40 million in top-line sales to Amazon. And as you can guess, only a small percentage of readers actually buy. 
So he publishes articles, YouTube videos, and more specifically with the goal of capturing search traffic of pool and hot tub owners. And if you think that sounds boring, check out this clip from the pool maintenance music video from Swim University. I love businesses like this. Specific niche businesses with big revenues and big margins. Swim University allows Matt to spend a lot of time on his passion project, Money Lab, where he runs experiments for making money online. I've been following Matt and Money Lab for years because he's prolific, hilarious, and just tells it like it is. If you don't believe me, his email opt-in reads, Please, for the love of God, subscribe to get emails from me. Yes, I'm begging. I don't have a content upgrade, a shitty PDF checklist, or anything like that. In this episode, we talk about building Swim University, funding his business with an unemployment check, how he became comfortable with money, and why focus has been key to his success. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. But now, let's jump into the deep end and hear how this all started. So I was working at a pool store. So I was, I've been in the pool industry since I was 13. So I've always worked in pool and hot tub, you know, in some capacity. And I was, I remember working at the store and I was also designing and building a website. I was learning how to design and build a website for my band. I had a, I had an original uh, rock band uh, that I was a lead singer guitar player in and we needed a website, couldn't afford anybody. So I just was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to learn how to design a website. And I had a computer. It was like my first computer ever. So I was like, okay, did that. And then I was like, once I had that skill, I remember sitting in the store and just saying like, okay, all these customers are coming in. They look to me for advice and expertise. These are adults too. Like I'm a kid and they're coming in asking me for advice because they're, they don't know how to take care of the pool, but I, that's all I've ever done really. And so... I'm like, well, I can take all of this knowledge and what have you and put it on the internet. Like I know how to build a website. And so that's when I came up with Swim University. And at the at the time, affiliate marketing was a thing. So I did know about it. I didn't know that that was a thing. But the bigger thing was AdSense mm. to me. So originally, I had thought, I'm going to make my money selling... Like having AdSense, I can easily put AdSense on the on a website. That was that was a no brainer. But then it was well, I'll just sell my own ads directly to these pool companies because I had relationships with them already. Just you know, a different relationship. So I'm like, okay, well, I this is how I'm going to do it. And then I'm like, well, okay, affiliate marketing is a thing. And I forget, oh, what was it? I think it was called LinkShare at the time. So there's a company called LinkShare, and I think even Google had Google DoubleClick or Google Affiliate something. Yeah, because I know they still run it, but it's for ads mostly. So it, there was something and I had those. And, and at the bottom of every post that I would write, I just would have these like four products that I'd say, oh, these are recommended products. And those products were like, you know, if I was talking about cloudy water, 
I would talk about a clarifier or some chlorine or whatever. And so that was my whole plan from the beginning. When you say you were building a website in 2006, we didn't have Squarespace, we didn't have Wix, we didn't have any of this stuff. What, what were you doing to build a website in 2006? HTML files, individual HTML files. I didn't even use WordPress when I first started. I was doing... I wasn't even doing includes. I was doing individual HTML files for every post and every element. And it was just like duplicating the HTML file over and over again. I actually know some websites in the pool industry that still run that way. Crazy. And this was yeah. this is before like online courses were big too. So how did you even learn how to do like HTML files to build a website while you're working at this pool company? I, I bought books. I bought like website builder for dummies or whatever it was. I was in Dreamweaver. I was using Dreamweaver. Oh, this wow. is before 2006 too. Like I'm I was building websites in like 2000. That's when I started, I think. So because I had I had learned how to do it. Like oh, my first website that I did for my band was in Flash. Oh wow! Completely, a hundred, hundred percent in Flash, and then so I had learned Flash, and then and then I moved on to HTML through Dreamweaver, and then I moved on to PHP, and then I had built my own content management system because I didn't know WordPress existed, so I had built this CMS to run some universities so that I could update articles on the go. I at first I hid my name, so at first I was I just I went by. Matthew Stevens or Matt Stevens, because it's my middle name, on the website because I didn't want my company finding out that I had this pool site and also worked at this company. And not that not that I thought I would be fired or anything, but like, even though I was fired, I I for that exact reason, I I I didn't think that, that was a pro I didn't think it was a conflict of interest because I wasn't building it at work. Like I wasn't working and then building, I would go home, build it, add, you know. Articles and it all it all came from my head. I didn't use any of their assets or or anything to do it. I was just like, well, I'm I can I know how to build a website. I'm gonna do this on my spare time. And yeah, I'm like, this is my future. I definitely thought that. And I've always been entrepreneurial, and I always knew I wanted to work for myself. And I'm like, oh, I just found the golden idea. I'm marrying two things that I'm actually really good at. And I'm like, I will make this work. I will make this work. And at first, I didn't spend a lot of time on it because I'm in the pool industry. So like all fucking day, I'm talking about pools. And then at the end of the day, I go home and I'm writing about pools. And I'm like, okay. like, And I just wasn't a writer. I, I, I spent most of my time on tweaking the design and like, you know, learning and learning, learning, learning. So much learning. Because what you do is you keep, you keep learning. You think that's work. And then you don't do anything. And you're like, okay, well, I, I have this website. It looks great. It functions very well. Uh, there's no content because you suck at writing and you hate writing. So like the one thing you really needed to do, like that's the one thing I didn't think through all the way. It's like, oh, you're not a website designer. You're a you're gonna you're gonna be a writer for the rest of your life. It's like, oh, well, I hate that. Doing this content for pools is like niche before niche was cool. So how did you like? Did you love pools? Were you excited to talk about pools? Yeah, yeah. I consider myself a pool nerd, or I used to. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I was 13. Like, I'm a boy. Wow. I'm a tiny little boy. Not tiny, but I was a boy. And I have these adults that I, like, all of my friends' parents would be coming into this pool store and asking me for help. That's a weird power trip as a 13-year-old. All of a sudden, I have, like, this weird power over my friends' parents and all the people in town, like, all the adults in town. And so I rode that. Like, I remember... I mean, I would go home and read books on pool. Like, like all these pool chemical companies would, like, 
have these manuals on like how to take care of a pool and how to like do testing and all this stuff. I would read that because I I had this desire to somebody would walk in the store and I would have to be the person they went to. You know, there'd be somebody else that he wouldn't know or she wouldn't know, and they'd be like, "Well, Matt knows everything." Like even O rings, people would come in with O rings to like a random thing, and I would look at it and and know. I'm like, "Oh, that's a Hayward uh, SP 200." Yeah, yeah. Hold on, we got that in the back. Or oh, we just put those on order. Like I would know. It was like kind of a like I said, it's like a power <laughs> trip to know all that stuff, and and it was like, well, now you have to put it in a format that you're not good at. I'm very good at talking. I like talking. I'm terrible at writing. I hate writing. And I didn't realize at the time that that was what the job really was. I just knew I could build a website. So here we have this 13-year-old kid who had taught himself web design and helping adults solve all of their pool problems. But even though he wanted to work on Swim University, there was one small problem. He was 13 years old. And 13-year-old kids have to go to school. I not, I'm not good at school. I wasn't good at school. I loved school though. Because of the social part, I was always really good at going to school. And I don't have like... I have a really like solid attendance record because I enjoyed every single part of school except what school was really meant for, which is you know learning and education. So I... I um, there was a few classes I excelled. Actually, uh, the first class in high school I ever failed was graphic design. And I had to learn Photoshop and I hated it. And literally, that's what I ended up doing for a living like four years later. And I failed every English class in high school, except creative writing. It's the only class I aced because um, we had to write like, poems and, and funny stuff. So that was easy for me. It, it wasn't easy. I, I'm not grammatically good. I think I'm better now because I literally had to. I had to learn it. And I got kind of nerdy about it a little bit. You know, in my... You know, as I'm like, what I'm, I'm 36 now. So like, when I was 34, maybe I started like really diving into grammar. But I was going to school and not doing well, like C's, DCs, getting through class clown, all that. I was working at a pool store at night, and I wasn't building the website yet. I was in. I went to college for two weeks twice. I went to college for two weeks. Uh, this is around 9/11 because I remember being in the parking lot of my college and. I dropped out because I had an English teacher who didn't like my silliness and my creative writing. She wanted it was a, it was English comp, so they don't really uh, like you taking liberties with uh, grammar. I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I mean, everyone else thought it was funny, I guess, but she didn't. I got in a fight with her, and I'm like, screw this, this is dumb. What do I? I'm like, I have a job. What do I need this? I don't even like. What am I? What am I going to do? You know? And so I left. And then I tried again the following semester, and I was like, that was even shorter. So yeah, I, uh, I just worked the whole time. I ended up uh, working and building... Uh, my, my boss had caught me building a website for my band. At, like I wasn't building it at work, but I had looked at it through his computer because I'm like, I like to check it on different browsers. So I was, I went to, I was at work and I looked at it and it was on the history and he found it and he didn't like it or he didn't like the fact that like we were going on like MySpace and shit. But he was like, did you make this? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay. And then like a couple of weeks later, I got the job to do the website for the company, but I was still working at the store level. Uh, and then I got a job as a, a website designer at a website design company. Because I had friends that were like, oh, I work at this company. They're looking for website designers. You want to come? I'm like, yeah. And I like got hired instantly. Then I was had to put on a suit and drive far. I kind of sucked. 
And then I got poached back by the same pool company, except I was in the marketing department now. So there was a cor- I was in the corporate <clears throat> level running four stores on doing all the marketing for them. So without a college degree, Matt's self-taught skills of web design were paying off. He had been hired back into a corporate marketing position with the same pool company that had let him go, but that didn't mean he was excited about working a job. I had a job up until 2011 or 12. I can't remember which exact year. <laughs> the w- one year, so I was working at the corporate level. I had my own office. I was, you know, I had I was working with all adults. I was still young. I was still like 25 and I was, you know, in control of doing all the sales, doing the website, doing print advertising, TV commercials, radio commercials, like all I was in charge of everything. And what happened was some university wasn't taking off, but it was popular enough where somebody from Martha Stewart radio on Sirius found out about me and reached out to me. And I was still running the site on the side as Matt Stevens. (laughs) And uh, I was doing guest posts and stuff, but as soon as Martha Stewart came around and, and not her specifically, but like her team was like, and, and I didn't talk to Martha, but they were like, yeah, we do this radio show every morning. We want we want you to come on and talk about, you know, opening your swimming pool. I was like, oh yeah. Like, what's your name? I'm like, Matt Givanese. That's my name. Like, I want my name out there now. So I decide to take my fake name off the website and put my real name because I want to be credible. And so I went on Martha Stewart four times for different reasons. And because I was like, yeah, I guess I was charismatic enough. And they were like, oh, okay, like we have a pool expert whenever we need to talk about it. And I'm talking like 15 minute, you know, conversation. But there was one day where I got on and I took the day off of work because I thought my website was going to blow the hell up. I thought, dude, this is it. I'm home free now. When we come back, we hear just how life-changing that spot on Martha Stewart was for Matt right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot creator. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several Podcast Movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, 
which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. Tracks include podcast creation, video and live streaming, industry professional, plus several stages of curated programming from some of the top companies in podcasting. It's truly a unique event, and if you are a podcaster, I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, tickets are available at super duper early bird pricing. And as a Creator Science listener, you can save $50 on top of that by visiting podcastmovement.com slash science. That's podcastmovement.com slash science. When we left Matt, he had built a relationship with Martha Stewart's radio show as their go-to expert pool guy. And one day, he just had a feeling that his latest appearance was going to blow up. And I took the day off of work because it was like, I had to wake up at seven in the morning to do it. And I just sat by like Google Analytics and just like kept refreshing. This is before real-time analytics and and nothing came in, like nothing happened. And I was like, oh, so, okay. But I did it four more times to the point where I had gotten a job offer. So I was was doing not just Swim University, but I was doing website design on the side to make extra money. And I was making good money at the corporate level. I was doing like 40K and I was 25 with no college degree. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. And then I actually bought a house. Like I have my own condo. So I'm like, I'm good to go. I think my career is pretty like set. I've learned these skills. I have these whatever. And so I had gotten another job offer down the street for more money doing the same kind of work, just not at a pool company. And so I was like, okay, well, my, you know, my dad's like, man, you're sitting in the catbird seat now. You can do whatever you want. Like just pick whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I decided to go to my boss and I'm like, look, I got this other job offer. You know, I was doing website design on the side, got this job offer. I'd rather stay here, but I'm going to need, you know, 10 grand more a year. I figured, right. Cause like the worst case scenario is I, I get 10 grand no matter what. It's just, do I get to move or do I stay at this company? And so he took the weekend to decide when really he was taking the weekend to um, put a software on my computer to track every keystroke um, and started Googling my name. And found wow. out that I had some university and uh, called me into his office the next week and was like, uh, you're fired. And he's wow. like, he said, and he's like, and I was like his right hand man, at the, not right hand man. Shouldn't say that. I wasn't, but I, I mean, I had his ear. I mean, I worked, I worked, he was my direct boss. Like I worked directly next to him. And so he was just like, and I was, you know, I was the youngest person in the company too. And he was just like, I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. I'm like, are you? Really? Total dad move. I was like, yeah, total dad move. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, what'd you expect to get out of this? Like, I have a job. Like, you could keep me. You could buy Swim University. You could have used it to your left, you know, and he didn't. So I'm like, kind of glad he didn't because I went to this other company, which wasn't pool care. And so therefore, now I wasn't in the pool world all day. So I had more like mental space to come home and and do like and write about pool stuff or film pool videos. In fact, my boss at the new company let me borrow his video camera and his lapel mic to go out and film some university videos because he knew I had my thing on the side. And he was so cool with it. And then uh, from there, I got laid off in either 2011 or 2012. And I knew it was coming for a couple of months. 
And I, at that point, I'm like, okay, like this is a this is a small business loan, quote unquote. I got to take this and really like make some university a full time thing. And that was like, as soon as I got my unemployment check, I'm like, this is a business loan. I had to sell. I got rid of my condo. I got rid of my car. Like I, I scaled down, moved in with my younger brother, and just did that for a year as I was collecting unemployment checks to survive and still doing website design on the side. Don't tell the government. Uh, so at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess it was about 2013 when I like was making roughly 40 grand a year, just doing some university and some website design stuff on the side, but mostly just from university. So uh, yeah, I was making 40 grand from some university and then probably another like 10 grand a year from like website design, random here, here, things here and there. And then that kept growing and got me here. That kept growing and got me here is an understatement. According to Matt's interactive timeline at moneylab.co, that $40,000 year in 2014 was followed by over $140,000 in 2015, nearly $270,000 in 2017, $360,000 in 2018, and more than $400,000 in 2019. For a lot of, quote, online business owners, they would take Matt's story and frame it as, I taught myself web design at age 13 and have been building websites for more than 20 years. They'd spin it as their hero's journey to show why they're awesome and why you should trust them, listen to them, and buy from them. But that's not Matt's approach. And when you look at his website, you see headlines that say, how I built a mildly successful six-figure business in 17 years. I just, I don't know. I, I look, it... I feel like I should be way further along being that I've been doing this for 17 years. Like, I'm like, how am I still not a multimillionaire? I'm not because I really just kind of stumbled my way through all of this. And that's kind of the way that I approach everything is like, I'm not going to, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you read or how much you learn. I mean, like, my journey is my journey. And I don't know if there's, a, there is no shortcuts. I'm sure I could have taken some like, you know, moves that would have gotten me somewhere quicker, but I didn't take those moves mainly because, uh, artistic integrity, perhaps, you know, like I, as a, as a former musician, um, in a band, like selling out was a, was a, you know, I didn't want to do that. Um, although I was on Martha Stewart, so I don't know, that might be selling out a little bit, but I didn't, yeah, I just, there's just like things that I didn't do and I'm not a good salesman. I'm a terrible salesman because I am just straight up honest. I tell you how, things like it is. And that's why I don't sell nearly as much as as maybe somebody else. You think that's actually holding you back? You don't think that's like a competitive differentiator of Matt's uh, the honest guy? It is. Okay, so what it does is it's it's slower. That's all it is. So I think what I do is I gain trust, but very slowly because you're like, you're kind of like thrown back like... Because I've seen guys and girls and mostly guys. Uh, I've seen them take the honesty approach to online marketing and then I see them do it wrong. You know, like, and not, not that I invented honesty. I, I absolutely didn't in this particular space. I didn't do that, but I'm, I saw other people start to do it and I'm like, yeah, you're not, uh. and it just feels wrong to me. But then again, I have an, I have a, an eye for that. Like I have a bullshit meter that is just like, it's constantly running. And as soon as I see somebody who's, you know, using it to their advantage. I'm like, well, then, you know, then you're doing it wrong, but then they're probably doing it right. You're, they're, they're taking the thing that I should be doing and doing it. So yeah, I, I do think that like, what happens is I, I have a lot of fans, like real true fans 
just not a lot of them. Just they're, they're there, uh, and they they will like, and they they say it to me, but there's not that many because I don't go out and like pitch myself on the like, book tours and podcast tours and like constantly put myself out there and put out content after content. Like the content that I put out is like. It, it takes a while to make and it's really only for a certain group of people. It's not really for everybody. Like all like when newbies find me, it's kind of like, wow, this is the most refreshing thing. But it's I'm not somebody that they can like look to and follow because I'm like, well, 17 years, you got 17 years ahead of you. You know, I'm not going, hey, you know what? In six months, you can build your email list. It's like, no, dude, you know how many people I have on the Money Lab email list? 1,300. It's been around for four years. What am I doing wrong? Tell me what I'm doing wrong. When we come back, Matt talks about his relationship to money and the beginnings of Money Lab. Welcome back. We're going to dig into Matt's other business, Money Lab, here in a minute. But first, I want to dig into his relationship with money itself. A lot of creatives are afraid to talk or even think about money, but not Matt. Uh, okay, so the reason I'm not is because one, I'm I'm incredibly fascinated. I, like just driving around, like I just want to know what everyone does for a living, and I want to know how much money they make, and I want to know where it came from. You know, I'm like, why are you here? Are you a trust fund baby? What's your deal? And I'm not going to judge you. Just I just want to know. And I just am. I'm just kind of like honest to a fault, and I've always been like, yeah, this is how much money I make. You know, you want to know? Here's that. You know, I, my friends all asked me when we were in, we were just on vacation, and they just were like, "All right, let's go around the table. How much money do you make?" And I'm like, "Ugh." And I'm like, "I don't want to tell you because one, I don't now. I don't want you to be mad at me." Yeah. <laughs> or I'm like, "Look, I'll I'll pay for the next meal, please." And not that it's that much. I'm just like, I know it's more. And so like, there's a point to which it becomes what's the word I want? Uh, uh, unrelatable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like. In my early days, and I started, I have a personal finance podcast called Listen Money Matters. And I started that when I was broke and I didn't have any money. And I used it as a kind of a jumping off point to become better with money because I knew I was starting this business. I knew that I was really, really bad with money. And I was honest about that too. And I'm still honest about that. You know, this, this is like, I spend money like water. I do. I am not a minimalist. You can look in my, you can look behind me. There's like, there's fucking shit all over my office. I am, I just, I've always been that way, but I was really bad. And so when I started my business, I'm like, I, I don't think I can be bad at this anymore because I, it, like, what if I get a hundred thousand dollars? Like, what if I get a hundred thousand dollar check? Am I going to, am I going to be the guy who blows it and then has nothing to show for it later? Like I just kind of was self-aware enough to go, I don't want to be a dumb dumb anymore. I'm sick of it. And so I started reading books about it. And then I started the podcast with my buddy, Andrew, who's on the Money Lab show. And we just talked about it honestly, because at the time there was really... And and now there's more, I'll I'll say that. But at the time, we started the podcast in 2011. There was no one in the podcasting space talking about personal finance in a like honest way or in a a down-to-earth way. And I'm like, well, I don't know shit about money. I like shock jock radio. You know, I was like a Stern fan. I'm like, well, let me marry these two things up because I'm like, I want to learn. I want to ask questions. I need to give context to those questions. And so I was just vocal to everybody about what I did and how much I made and like, what should I and and being honest, like, what the, what do I do with it? Where does it? Where should I put it? And I and I still feel that way. I still go to 
to my friends and ask like, what should I do with this? Should I buy a house? What do I do? I don't know. I'm afraid to buy a house. I bought a house in 2008. I, I'm still underwater. It's like, come on. So for the, let's say a service provider, a creative business owner who's listening to this, yeah. what are the low-hanging fruit levers that you pulled related to money that started to get things on track for you or had the biggest impact? Oh, just re- just learning about it. Just reading about it. And I don't know where anybody is, but where I was is I didn't want to look at my bank account because it was bad. I don't want to look at the scale. You know, it's just like, it's going to be bad if I look at it. That is not a good idea. And so I read a lot of books on how to, on just like managing money, just like personal finance books, not business books. But that was the reason that I decided to do that, which was there's something more that I like, I didn't want to be like good with money. That's not the real reason. The real reason is because I wanted my own business and I didn't want to fail at that. So there was something, uh, there was a goal that was a little bit above me and like what in that, and that like, oh, you want to be good with money is not really going to make you do anything. Oh, you want to lose weight? That's not a good enough like reason to do it. There has to be a higher purpose, I, th- I think. In my case, there was. My higher purpose was like starting a business. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, let me go on Twitter or wherever I went to, to find out which books to read because the, which books you read is important. The first one I read was called The Simple Dollar. But the one I recommend is I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which came out. And I, and I was... You know, like the title of the book is a little douchey, but it's not a, I mean, it may be douchey. I don't know, but it was super helpful at the time of just like, I'm a tech guy. Here's how to automate your finances so that you are, because you're your worst enemy. You're the bottleneck. Yeah. And once I figured that out and just did really small steps and then just one thing at a time, that changed. I mean, that changed everything because now, like, I'm like, I look back and I'm like, wow, I have money. It's not a lot of money, but I have it. You know, whereas like if I was the same way, I would be broke today. I would still be living whatever my paycheck to paycheck is month to month. You know, I I, thank God I'm not in that situation, but it took, you know, $100 a month and then, you know, $250 a month and then $500 a month. And it just keeps like, okay, like, and then you get kind of addicted to it and then you're, you know, you're good at it. But I feel like, even like in the weight loss or like the health part of it, I can do those baby steps. Uh, I just don't know if I'll ever be a bodybuilder. Just like I don't ever know if I'll be a multimillionaire. Automating some of that stuff makes such a big difference. I remember my first year freelancing, it was like, okay, I made 75% of what my job income was, yeah. but I saved like less than 10. Right. How did that happen? Because I didn't have anything set up to actually put stuff away. And then I got hit in the face with taxes and it's yep. stuff that you know you got to learn early on. So you can start that compounding that everyone talks about. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna mess up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I got hit with taxes, and uh, I was like, ah, crap! Didn't see that one coming. Okay, now let's take the year to learn about taxes. You know, and and I still don't know everything about taxes. I have an accountant now because I can now afford to pay somebody to ask that question to, like, hey, do I need to worry about unemployment insurance? What is this? You know, do I need to pay this? Where does this go? Can I write off my 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 office space, how much? Yeah. Like I don't and then as soon as I learn it, it's gone. And then I have to ask him again next year. So in 2016, Matt launched that new business called Money Lab. Earlier he mentioned that four years later, Money Lab has about thirteen hundred subscribers, and I'm probably one of them. Money Lab takes Matt's trademark honesty and marries it with his interest in money, and the results are just really entertaining. Here's Matt. 
So Money Lab was, it was originally the plan was to call it Product Lab, where I was just going to like do different products and see if they would make money or not. And then I'm like, uh, that doesn't... I'm like, let's just cut to the chase. Well, why am I doing this? I'm doing it because I want to make money on the internet. Like, so just call it Money Lab, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that was the, that was sort of the impetus of why I call it Money Lab. Cause it's just like, cut to the chase. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing, like, let's be honest, like stop. And then the other part of it too, like the honesty part is everyone fails and then tries to spin it into a positive. You know, it's like, oh, I failed, but I learned a lot. I'm like, sometimes it sucks <laughs> and I hate failing. And I'm going to say that it sucks and I'm going to say I didn't learn anything. Or maybe I learned one thing and I didn't want to learn that lesson and screw this, you know? And it's like, yeah, that sort of honesty of... And that's I think that's part of my just East Coast personality. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I, again, like terrible salesman, bad with money. Uh, what I am good at is getting things done. Yeah. I mean, I just... I have an... I have a... a Yeah, laser focus. It's like a blessing and a curse. It's interesting to hear Matt say that focus has been one of the core elements of success in building Swim University and Money Lab. With Money Lab, Matt will run specific challenges with a set period of time in a specific goal, usually the explicit goal of making money. Some past challenges include the money-making podcast experiment, redesigning his email marketing funnels, launching an online course, and optimizing his YouTube channel. So with so many frequent changes in focus, how does focus play into all these challenges? So, okay. And because there's two different types of focus, I think. Now that I'm saying this out loud. There is like, I can sit at the computer and do something and then look up and go, oh, I forgot to eat. I forgot to sleep. I forgot. I don't know what time it is. Like I can get into those like flow states in the short term. In the long term... (laughs) I am really bad at focusing. I have shiny object syndrome. I'm constantly chasing other things. Even though I have like a business that is growing, it's there. And yet somehow I find it incredibly difficult to work on because it's because it's working. I, you know, and I'm and I guess as a creative person, I need something else. I can't do the same thing over and over and over again. I need to be doing something different, which is why Money Lab's a thing. Because it was like, well, if I have this part of my personality that which is okay, like. He built some university. Great. That's paying the bills. Now, you know, build your next thing. Well, yeah, but I don't want to do another 17 years of that. I want to do something else. So Money Lab was like, you can do stuff over and over again, but all different, you know, all different ways. And so like each project's like, what, what am I going to do now? Like, let's make a rap album. But Who I cares? Thrown and pick bones when they try to overthrow me. John Snow me, but I rise up and take cover from the blast when I blow up. Yeah, I work for this. Still taste every fucking ass I kissed, but huh, I'm a masochist, and now I rule with an iron fist. Been working for myself like ten years. Been drinking on the job like ten beers. Nobody gives a fuck. Got no fear, and I got no fears, cause you know I am the boss. I call all the shots. Shot. I run all the blocks, and I talk the talks, and I walk the walks. Yeah, I'm the boss. I make all the calls. I cast the checks. I'm stepping next. I know what's next, and all I demand is respect. I'm very, very proud of that challenge because it was like I and I did. You know, my friend would would made fun of me because he's like, "Well, 
He's like, I'm not the one who burned his list trying to make a rap album in 30 days because I was like sending out emails about this rap album, but no one gave a shit. Like no one cared. But I was like, I'm the most, this is my, this is the, the one of the best challenges I ever did. Didn't make any money at it, but it was super fun. Um, and I think that sort of laser focus at the fault of being a total zombie afterwards. Like if I spend all day at the computer, like really focused on like designing one web page, like that timeline you 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 looked at, like I spent the last two days updating that, like just laser focused. Cause it was like, I need to finish this. At night, I am not there. I am a shadow. I am a fog. So how do you manage these focused kind of sprints? Like, how do you say, this is the time I'm putting into Swim University. Like, how do you make sure you don't take the time, like your eye off the ball there while you're doing these challenges? Everything has to be compartmentalized in order for me. I can't do anything on a consistent basis. If it requires me to wake up every single day and do one small task a day, I won't do it Mm. because I'm just not built that way. And so that's why automating my finances really worked because if I'm the person in charge of getting up every week and, and depositing $200 into a savings account. I am not going to do that. I'm just not. I'm not disciplined enough to do that consistency. A robot is, or someone else can. So in my case, like I was like, well, when I first started some university, I wasn't writing a new blog post every week or every day or every month. It was just like, if I got really into a sprint, I'm like, all right, I'm going to write like 15 blog posts today. And I would just like go nuts in it for like a week and just like nonstop write until I was like, okay, I'm done. And it wasn't until I hired my first writer to basically keep the business consistent when I couldn't. So that is like <laughs> been that's my biggest struggle is the is is you know consistency, but the but I'm really good at spinning things up very quickly and very uh, efficiently. And then once they're there, like even Money Lab, it's like, well, I gotta keep doing Money Lab. It's like, okay. Uh, what am I going to do today? It's like it, it, every it always changes. So it, it's sort of like I know that that is part of me, and how do I, you know, use that to my advantage when it's like when I consider it such a disadvantage? I like look at my friends who are like writing these like new blog posts like every week and like keeping up with their thing and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I got to make a rap album this week. I can't. I got to do something completely different. I got to spend my whole week, you know, doing a two minute video on something that is completely irrelevant. So I either have to hire somebody to do it or figure out a way to do it in sprints where it has a completion date. So it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do this, this is why I do challenges on on Money Lab where it's like, okay, you're going to make a product. It has to be completely finished in seven days. Like, and you can't do anything else after that. And then every once in a while, I'll come back. I'm like, oh, that was really good. Let me do it. Let me do it again. Or like, oh, like I need to market this better. And I, I won't be consistent about it, but it'll be sporadic. So like Money Lab is one of those places where like everything is sporadic. All the content creations are very like, it's when I feel like it. And you get an email when I feel like I need to send an email. And I tweet when I feel like tweeting. Not I'm not on a schedule for Money Lab at all. So university, on the other hand, is on a very rigid schedule. So totally different. And I'm not doing any of that work right now. When you are thinking about trying to get into one of these focus zones where you're sprinting at something, mm-hmm. is it, I feel the urge and I'm committing to this and now focus takes over because I'm already compelled to do that? Yes. Or And so how do you prevent yourself from veering off in the middle of one of these Money Lab challenges into a new Money Lab challenge? Uh, I don't... <laughs> I... I uh, I have this idea for a project that's coming up in 2020. It does have an end date. It has a, a deadline 
in which I need to finish it. It's a very hairy, audacious one, but it's crazy. And the crazy silliness of things like like the rap album, for example, or like my email marketing page or like anything else that's on Money Lab that's like silly. Those things, unwavering like dedication because it's 100% fun. I will be proud of it when it's done and nothing can stop me from doing it. It's the other projects that I'm like, oh, you need to update Asana for Bloggers, your first course, because it's four years old. I'm like, oh my God. All right. Like, how can I get this done in three days? It's like, I just need to like give myself like a ridiculous timeline and organize my like schedule in like, okay, dude, three days. You got that. You can do it. Okay. Get it done. And then after that, you can do whatever else you want to do, but you have to get this done. And so I do have to like kind of like talk to myself and and yell at myself. And I do have friends who yell at me too to do things. So that helps. And I do thrive on like negative motivation. So somebody telling me I'm an idiot for not doing something or someone, you know, just giving me a hard time. Like I love that. I'm not good at like I, I don't thrive. If someone's like, oh man, that was really good. I'm like, all right, thanks. Next. What's the next thing I gotta do? Because it's like I can't stop. So yeah, that's how I, I it's 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 probably why it took me 17 years. It's just like all of these things that I'm saying is probably why all of this took me 17 years. With all the challenges and business models that Matt has either seen or tried himself, I wanted to know where he would focus his energy if he were just getting started today. If skills weren't an issue, how would he recommend someone get started making money online today? Uh, okay. I mean, obviously the skill depends. I would start as a service and then I would work my way in. I would be, I would do two things at the same time. And I would look at it this way. I would have your service business. So start that because that's going to give you money today. And then I would have your investment business with your long-term business. So in my case, it was Swim University was my investment business. The thing I did on the side, even when I was full-time. And my real business was designing websites for people. So even when I was, you know, you know, I obviously had unemployment for that one year, but I was also doing website design on the side for like another year or two after that. So you have to have both things. Now, whether that's your like actual job, if you want to make it your actual, you know, full-time job, nine to five or weekends or whatever you do, that then you have to do this thing on the side. I would not compel anybody. I mean, I wouldn't do it personally myself, is I wouldn't go like full steam ahead into one like business, like investment style business, like a software company, if that was my full-time job and I wasn't being paid. I, I don't care about business that much that I would sacrifice my personal life to build something. Life is short. I'd rather like have a I'd rather sleep in a regular bed and not on the office floor. Like I don't want to do that. So I don't I never really pushed myself to do any sort of like crazy like even though the, the the challenges that I do seem crazy, they're not crazy. I go to bed at a normal time. You know, I wake up. I I wake up at like I don't get started work until ten. Uh, and that was even when I had a real job. So I would say that like you have to do two things for a while and then slowly stop doing the service thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, I I know a lot of people that follow that model. I followed that model. It worked out for me. Uh, I've seen it work out for other people. And so, uh, yeah, that's what, I would, that's what I would say. What do you think has really strong potential now? Would you say, get into affiliates now? Would you say, do media, do content? Like, what is, what is the actual <laughs> model now for the investment business? Software, for sure. 
not affiliate. I would not get into affiliate marketing. I mean, it depends. It really does depend. I mean, there is affiliate. I mean, obviously, like I'm in a pretty good niche, but all my stuff are physical products. There's a lot of like, and Money Lab does a lot of affiliate stuff, but their software products, those are really good. The only reason I say it's not good is because it just takes 17 years. Like it just takes so long to get to a point. And then it and then you're on like you're on shaky ground. So I would say like definitely content if you're gonna do anything and build an audience and then sell them things that you make. I used to not believe that. I used to believe in mostly like build a huge audience and then get advertisers and and sell your audience. And now I'm like, oh no, that was such a dumb thing to think uh, back in the day. Like had I, you know, when if I just started some university for the first time, I would have started with a product. Like I would have had a product on day one and then started creating content going towards that product. But instead, I wrote, you know, 400 blog posts and was just trying to get as many eyeballs as possible to sell advertising to them. And that was probably again why it took me a long time. But I would say that like content's always gonna be good. If you're good at it, obviously not all content uh, is created equal. But yeah, why not? I mean, like the we could all use a little more content in our lives, right? It's like right. Uh, <laughs> there's not enough to read out there. Yeah, I just got Disney Plus, so there's all that I got to go through. Oh boy. <laughs> so no, I mean, I do think like if you're going to be in this world, I mean, regardless, like having an audience of people that a captured audience of people, not traffic, because traffic's not a captured audience, is a gold mine. I mean, that's how you that's how you make money. And I'm learning that still every day. <laughs> it's like start collecting email addresses, Matt. Start selling them your things that you make. You said Money Lab's been around for four years, so you just have another 13 to go. There you go. I mean, hey, I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> By now, I think you can believe me when I say Matt is hilarious and just tells it like it is. I think we hear enough about supposed overnight successes, so it's refreshing to hear about Matt's 17-year journey. You can check out Swim University at swimuniversity.com. You can also check out Everything Money Lab at moneylab.co, where I will link to both Matt's incredible business timeline as well as his rap album. If you enjoyed this interview, then I highly recommend subscribing to the Money Lab podcast, which I listen to each and every week. Thanks to Matt for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Brian Skeel for mixing this show and also creating our music. If you like this episode, you can tweet at Jay Klaus and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll talk to you next week. Sonic Universe.